This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Seals, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I'm chatting to Lucy Orton. Hi Lucy, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hi Jenny, lovely to be here. It's ungodly early, isn't it? We were both just saying it's 8.30 in the morning that we're recording, which neither of us are morning people, which I might delve into uh, later on in our chat actually. Um, But would you like to start by introducing yourself to everybody? Tell us what your freelance is and indeed if you use the word freelance to describe your self-employed life. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. And yes, it's super early. This is not my normal, this is not my normal work mode, but I'm often up at this time, but not sat at my desk and being this productive. Um, So I'm Lucy Orton. I'm a certified positive psychology coach and I'm the anti-self-sabotage coach. So I really focus on helping female entrepreneurs get rid of self-sabotage, get rid of procrastination, perfectionism, fear of failure, fear of success, and all manner of mindset gremlins so that they can really empower themselves to be the most awesome version of themselves for their lives. But primarily the work I do is focused on doing that for their business so that they can make massive impact in the world. And in answer to your question earlier about whether I use the term freelance, I don't anymore. I used Mm. to. I've been working for myself for about 12, 13 years. And I definitely would have aligned with the term freelance in the earlier part of that when I was really managing my work Mm. around babies and all of those things and feeling like I was enjoying that very um, uh, laid back approach to working. But as I've kind of come on in my business journey, I really think of myself more as an entrepreneur or a business Mm. owner. And I think partly that comes down to the clients I work with generally see themselves as that or they're in transition to seeing themselves as a business owner or an entrepreneur. Brilliant. I always love asking people that question because some people, when I've asked them to come on the podcast, they said, oh, but I'm not freelance. And I said, yeah, but you're self-employed, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, well, it's just a word, but it's not everybody's word. So I'm always, I like to ask now. And you have a podcast as well, don't you? I do. I forgot that. Yeah, that's a very good point. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a podcast. It's called Self-Sabotage to Success. And it's available on all the usual channels. And it's about, I'm about 26, 27 episodes in at the time of recording. And Ooh. it's packed with mindset tips, hacks, insights, some solo, well, mainly solo episodes and some interview episodes. I'm going to be interviewing you, Jenny. So that will be lovely. Yes. Um, and I really focus on giving actionable insight and advice and also some personal stories some case studies from my clients and I'm getting fantastic feedback from it so yes please do have a listen that's brilliant I love 27 episodes since last autumn it's really impressive you must enjoy it 
I do. I absolutely love it. And I've really tried to be super consistent. So mm. that's my kind of key thing with my podcast, even to the point where I've, I've woken up in the night thinking, if I get COVID, I'll just do five minute, <laughs> I'll just do five minute <laughs> podcast episodes. <laughs> then I'm like, no, no, let's, let's not worry about that. But I really want to show up and be there every week because I think with podcasts, that's really important when people mm. know to take you on their dog walk, when they're going to go on a jog, you want to be there for them. Yeah. Um, and I've done a couple of bonus episodes and I, and I plan to do more bonus episodes I can't quite commit to two a week at the moment but I I'm absolutely committed to my podcast so yeah I do really love it and I love the conversations that it sparks the new clients Mm. that come into my world because of it and just in general it's my favorite form of content I, I use it as my linchpin for everything else Oh, it's fun, isn't it? It's one of those things as well that once you do it, you sort of think, oh my God, I launched a podcast. Whoa, I did that thing that everyone else seems to be getting on the bandwagon for. You feel like you've joined a sort of, you know, a, a, a special club, I suppose, if you, you know, it's, it's quite fun, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think so. It's a real boost. And I've talked to my own clients about it as a boost. It kind of gives you that expert feel that you've got something to say and something to share and people are listening so it can give you that buoyed up sense of confidence in what you have to offer and also I think for me audio is such a great medium for getting that intimate connection with people I know that video is king and you know lots of people love video video is fine but it's not my absolute favorite but I definitely think when I listen to podcasts I feel this connection with someone it feels like a friend talking in my ear and you know, my first podcast, one of my first business podcast experiences was Amy Porterfield. Mm. And I just feel like I know her. And obviously she's some kind of huge superstar business coach, but the way that you feel when you listen to a podcast is so personable and friendly. And I really wanted that for my client group. So yeah, I love it. It's my, it's my favorite. (laughs) I love that passion. Oh, you're so passionate about self-employment. I love it. How did you become self-employed? Was it a choice for you? Was it a bit of a, I'm going to use the word journey, but you might not like me to use the word journey. What, What was your sort of your route to being the entrepreneur that you are today? How did things unfold for you? Yeah, fine. That's a great question. I, I love the word journey. That's absolutely fine. It makes me feel like I'm on Strictly or Big Brother or yeah. Pop Idol back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, so I became self-employed around 2008. I quit my job in corporate and changed career. First of all, I changed career into speech and language therapy. Mm. Um, and I basically became accidentally freelance for the company that I've been working for, which was a huge boon and brilliant for supporting myself through my studies, through my doctoral, half my doctoral research. I ended up, ended up finishing my PhD early. Um, And it was just a brilliant sort of time in my life to do that switch. I just got married. And then in 2010, I felt I was pregnant, had a baby, and I decided that I didn't want to go into speech therapy practice. I Mm. wanted to work from home. And so I balanced for quite a few years being freelance and self-employed and working sort of connected to my old company on a freelance basis with being a um, speech and language therapy researcher in communication in memory and attention and all these interesting things. So I had this brilliant balance, but what the beauty of it was, I was able to do it around the children Mm. and I was able to be at home, which is something that obviously everyone is now experiencing, but it was a very conscious decision for me. And and, um, it worked really well for that period of my life. 
And then obviously I, I trained in coaching a few years after that and had a real business shift. And I'd say that's when the time came that I really started to align myself with that entrepreneurship world and business owner, but still very much working from home, very much having that remote lifestyle with mm. occasional face-to-face -face clients. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my self-employment journey. And it definitely was accidental, I would say, right at the beginning, but it became very conscious and mm. very deliberate almost instantly because I thought, yes, this is going to give me that balance. I'm not a massive mm. fan of the world balance, but that sort of way of straddling motherhood, career, interest, my passion at the time was, was this research um, with bringing home some money. So yeah. yeah. I love that it sounds like, and tell me if I've, if I've understood this right, but it's like you wanted to get self-employed because it worked for the type of work you wanted to do, but it was also a choice because of your well-being and your family life. So it was, there was a package there. It was, you know, if I do this, I'm going to have a better time as a mum. I'm going to have more time for my kids. There was like a well-being mental health element of the choice there for you as well. Yes, 100 percent. Um, I when I worked in my um, corporate job, I worked in the kind of world of advertising and marketing full mm. of amazing, talented professionals, really high powered and kind of fast paced world. But I'd always had one eye on the people who were above me. And I thought, I don't want that. I don't want that. Mm. I don't want that struggle. I don't want that um, constant having to rush home for the nursery pickup, the, um, you know, school dinners, the school performance, mm. you know, all of those things, the kind of little crises that I could see happening to the women and occasionally, but not very often the men above me. So I was really conscious of that from a very young age. I would say like my early twenties, I realized that I wanted to create something quite different for myself. Mm. Um, which is why I then looked at that whole speech and language therapy. And I loved that area. And I thought this is going to be more family friendly but I ended up creating something even better, which was this balance between two different types of work initially. And then and now my kind of main passion, which is my only passion, which is coaching. Mm. And yeah, the well-being piece has always been so strong. And I had a really good role model. My dad was always self-employed from, cool. from when I can remember. And I know that he used to say I'm completely unemployable. And I've become, <laughs> I have become my dad. <laughs> I'm laughing because I totally relate to that. It's just like I realised. And the more people I speak to for this podcast, everyone just says to me, I just realised I hated being told what to do by other people. And you yeah. do when lots of self-employed people are just like, I just can't be doing with someone and often someone you might not respect or know that well, or someone, you know, doesn't have perhaps the skills you have telling you what to do and putting you into a, a box as an employee. It's, you can completely break away from that when you, you just say, well, I'm going to work for myself then. Yeah, absolutely. That autonomy piece was huge. And I definitely mm. think to your earlier question that for me, autonomy really does link to well-being mm. and feeling like I'm the kind of powerhouse in my own life that I get to choose how my day runs and, you know, when I work. And I really believe as well that we are only productive in short bursts. That's mm. something I talk about with clients, about productivity and about taking care of your time to rest, recharge and all those amazing things. And when you work for yourself, you become much more aware of that and much more um, conscious of how much you can get done in a very short period of time and mm. how efficient you can be. And again, when, when you're a mum, that really, really comes to the fore. As you said, your podcast is self-sabotage to success. And I really want to delve, I want a deep dive, as they say, um, into self-sabotage. Um, and I wondered if you wanted to explain, first of all, sort of like, what is self-sabotage I mean I know a lot of people are going to go oh I know what that is but like from from you for your point of view what would you how would you describe self-sabotage and how can we try and 
battle and beat it and then then I want to lead on to sort of saying, well, but can we, can we really, or do we have to learn to live with self-sabotage the way I try and live with imposter syndrome? So are you having to sort of describe, describe what you mean by self-sabotage and then we'll go into sort of obviously yeah. how we can try and kick it into touch. Sure. Yeah. I would describe self-sabotage as any thought, behavior, action that you're kind of aware of or not aware of, which stops you from getting to your goals. Mm. And for me, with my focus, that's usually business goals, but it can also be absolutely across your whole life. It always is, actually. When I speak mm. to my clients, we do talk about their business. We work on their business success mindset, but we are absolutely focused on the holistic experience of what self-sabotage can do and how to move away from it. Mm. And as I said, I think in the early bit, self-sabotage has so many different strands to it and they are not living in a vacuum. They completely tie in together. So you mentioned imposter syndrome. That's mm. a huge one. And it connects to so many other elements of self-sabotage. So it connects to that fear of judgment. It connects to perfectionism. It connects to something I've been talking about on my podcast recently, which is that soloist mindset where we Ooh. feel like we have to get everything done ourselves. You know, if we're not achieving solo, then is it really an achievement? Um, I'm raising my hand right now. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, you just really made me like, yeah, me, miss me. Oh God, yes. <laughs> well, soloist is the, the place that I heard of that first was when I was doing some research into imposter syndrome. So it's, it's a style of imposter syndrome, but I see it as a wider mindset type where mm. we have that feeling that everything we do really does have to be on us and it's why often business owners can really struggle to reach out for help they can struggle to delegate they can struggle to hire a coach they can struggle to hire a copywriter mm. and they can really feel stuck in that sense that no I'm going to get some kind of medal if I get through this on my own which from a logical head we know that's absolutely not true <laughs> but unless you're self-awarding medals or something yeah exactly <laughs> giving yourself biscuits but um absolutely it's something that we've been taught and you know we go through a, an education system and often a corporate system that really does reward and encourage individualism and encourage you to say i did this i did that no one helped me you know this is my grade this is my um kpi that i've achieved so i think you know as business owners or freelancers we have to accept that we can rip up that rule book mm. and we can collaborate and we can bring people on board we can find people who have areas of expertise that we don't have and we can fill in our own gaps so that was a little bit of a roundabout way of answering your question and in answer to the second part of your question, which is, can we get over it? Well, I believe we absolutely can. I don't for a minute mean that you'll never have a doubting, <laughs> self-sabotaging thought again. But what I always aim for with my clients is that they have a fantastic progressive mindset, which is something that I use within my programs, mm. and that they have that resilience and ability to bounce back from um, any kind of obstacle or hurdle that they come across without sinking into a really deep state of self-sabotaging where they're maybe being really unkind to themselves, where they're having that ongoing critical dialogue and yeah, really work at, at making sure that we don't live and set up camp in self-sabotage but we're also mm. aware of it when it comes along because actually if it does occasionally spike and even for me as someone who teaches this who loves it and who sees themselves as a non-self-sabotaging person occasionally something can come along which will will set off a thought process and i know how to deal with that but i also know that it's probably telling me something it's probably useful it's it's important to feel all emotions and um something that i do also talk about is i am not someone who believes in 
toxic posi- positivity well that doesn't sound very good anyway but you know, <laughs> kind of, who would who would agree to that yeah. but it is a kind of term for this sense of like good vibes only and you know it's all gravy and we can just everything is a learning um, curve I agree with elements of that, but I also know that sometimes bad things happen and they make us mm. feel crap. Mm. Um, and that's okay. We, what we, the worst thing we can do is beat ourselves up for feeling bad because then that becomes like a vicious, a vicious cycle. So yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, a teacher of mine talked about that as gung-ho happyology. And wow, I, 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 like I love that. And I mm. use that with clients. You know, I'm not about gung-ho happyology. I'm about that sense that we can strive through things we can push through these barriers and we can feel so much better and so much more powerful like a real transformation mm. but at the same time we can accept that shit happens and sorry for your e you have to put no e that's all good yes now yeah and it just really kind of highlights that need to be able to accept ourselves mm. that really is at the crux of everything i i do is that self-compassion that self-kindness and allowing ourselves to feel stuff especially right now in this situation i often say to clients do remember it's a global pandemic because we forget and we forget it all the time it's like i was something happened the other day and i i my sister is my go-to she's an amazing confidant um shout out to my sister because she's a teacher as well so how she has the time to help me through my working day with her lovely uh advice that she gives me experience i was going to say but um she, she often just says to me, just remember you're in a pandemic right now. And I guess self-sabotage, if we're doing a little bit, let's do some freelance maths. Self-sabotage <laughs> plus pandemic can really equal a negative impact on your mental health. Because I, I think of all the things, like when I was thinking about self-sabotage before we chatted, and I thought, wow, there's so many things you do from not sending that email to, uh, you know, not making the phone call right through to not buying a book that might help you along the way or not signing up to a webinar because you feel a bit nervous. So all these things like are, are the self-sabotage things, but then when you add in a pandemic, it's almost like we're more nervous to do things sometimes because the goalposts have changed, haven't they? We don't know what other people's businesses are up to. And, you know, so someone might be thinking, right, I'm going to start a podcast, but they keep not pressing record. They keep not doing the thing they've got to do because they might be thinking, well, who wants to listen to my podcast in a pandemic anyway, or they might be feeling more stressed because they're in a pandemic. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? But I wondered if like you had thoughts on like, if people are struggling right now to go, to get something over the line, to send that email, if they're self-sabotaging, what can they do in the pandemic at the moment? And as are we talking, it's, it's nearly late February, 2021 in case people want to know the date but what, what can people do if they're in that spot where they're like they're not sending the email and not, not making the call and they're not updating their cv or their social media i think something that i always want my clients to do first and foremost is to change that narrative and to challenge that narrative you know what lies beneath that procrastination what lies between beneath you not pressing play or so record mm. on your podcast and giving yourself a mental boost giving yourself a kindness boost can be the first port of call should be the first port of call really working on Love that, that. self love mm. um and i know that that can be tricky i was talking to a client of mine last week and we were talking about the idea of self love and that it can feel really awkward 
and really non-British. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> or Just even, flattering. yeah, exactly. No, no. Why would I do that? I'm, I'm busy self-deprecating over here. How could I possibly love myself when I'm such a hot mess, etc. Um, yeah. So just really that piece is so, so important. And then the second piece is taking the first step. Mm. So for example, if you want to start a business selling bespoke songs then you need to get that website domain you need to if you want to start a podcast you need to make that first step in maybe buying a microphone mm. and just doing those very small things that feel like you can you can cope with that in in the moment because the momentum that you gain from taking those small steps is absolutely huge mm -hmm. something else that i say to people in terms of wanting to start something but feeling that resistance or saying i've been wanting to write this book for two years or i've been wanting to start a podcast yeah. i've been in a group about starting a podcast for a year and i still haven't done it is set yourself some accountability tell someone announce it on social media and in fact i'm going to be doing this soon because i'm going to write a book i think it's going to be called something along the lines of the five archetypes of self-sabotage and i'm Ooh. going to start announcing that really soon because it will give me the accountability to get going to write a chapter a month or however i decide mm. to do it and to really put it out there and i think when we do that we really do give ourselves and our brains that reminder that oh this is really happening and our brains are primitive and they need those signposts. They need us to clearly state our intentions. Otherwise, mm. they'll hang on to the negative kind of crud that lies beneath a lot of our thought processes when we don't think it, in, think it through intentionally. Oh, that's so interesting. You've really reminded me of when I launched Freelance Feels and I put it out there and I started the Instagram account. And when you said that just then, I got that flip in my stomach. Mm. Like, oh, God, though, because once you put it out there, and I advised a friend to do it recently as well. I was like, she's launching a podcast. And I said, just, just announce it because then, then you can't go back. And that actually, you can go back. I mean, you can announce something. Yeah. I had a workshop recently. I announced it. Nobody signed up. It was on Valentine's Day. I decided I didn't want to spend Valentine's Day doing a workshop anyway. So I cancelled it. And I just thought, oh, well, loads of people obviously didn't notice. I so yes, you can go back on it, can't you? But I completely agree with you that the minute you put it out there, not only are you sort of sharing it with people who might then come back to you and say, oh, that sounds great. Can I be involved? Or, oh, my client might like to be involved with that. So it opens those doors, doesn't it? But then you're like accountable to yourself because you're like, oh, okay, I've said it's a thing. Maybe it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. You start to believe it more, I guess is my point, don't you? You believe totally. more in your own thing just because you've made it an actual thing. <laughs> So totally and and I think that is a real issue and you know I'm sure this resonates with your freelance community but we can often feel like when we're having businesses when we're working from home when we're freelance when we're remote mm. there's a sort of sense of unreality about it we yeah. don't have the trappings we don't have the water cooler moments we don't have the business lunches I mean no one does at the moment <laughs> we don't have the smart clothes because we don't need them unless you know that's your bag and you dress up to work in your home office I don't know many people that do I do not um, <laughs> no, I do not either as you can see um, but you know it really it can be really important to give ourselves those prompts and then use them because they're external. But what we mm. want to always focus on in terms of our mindset is the internal drive. But we can cheat and we can do a little bit of external prompting to begin with so that we're yeah. building our confidence and really putting ourselves out there. And um, on the podcast note, I absolutely agree that you, um, 
by setting the setting the intention you absolutely open doors and you start mm. to realize that oh people are interested in this this is a topic that resonates and another little tip for anyone that's listening that is interested mm. in starting a podcast is i set up as soon as i announced it i set up a podcast wait list which was a great way of getting people on my email list it was a great mm. way of giving me that accountability and those people are still on my list. They were obviously really interested. I'm sure that they're loyal listeners, the majority of them. And that's just a little simple action that you can take in terms of setting your intention. And I will do the same for my book. I'll start a book wait list. And actually something else I'm going to do with my book is I'm going to do read-alongs so that people can come and be part of the process. Because again, I think people love feeling like they're in something from the beginning. And whether that's your best friend or your sister that you're involving in your, your great idea and your new decision, or whether it's you know more like clients or listeners mm. people like to come along for the ride and they like the behind the scenes they appreciate it and they also appreciate the honesty and the the inspiration that maybe they could do something similar yeah very much so and it boosts you as well because you don't know who's going to come up with something that they're like hey i was reading that bit and actually have you thought about including this or i that golden moment where somebody you're working with says i know someone else you should talk to and then that little ripple effect of the one plop in the, of the stone in the water starts to ripple and the contacts begin. And what do you mean by a wait list, by the way? I've not heard that. Oh, so like literally um, a waiting list. So, so to be a guest. To, no, to listen. So oh. I just did it as a launch thing. So that's the other thing that I, I mean, I'm sure you did this too, Jenny, but making a big fuss about your podcast launch is hugely important. Me? Yeah. <laughs> You, you have to, you have to like really sing and dance about it and, you know, bore people to tears or so yeah. you think. And actually you're not boring people to tears because people see such a small amount of your social media that it can yeah. feel like, I think this is the 10th video I've done, you know, launching my podcast, but you know, the chances are only your most diehard fans will have seen every single video. Um, what was your question? Sorry, I've forgotten what your question was. Oh, about the wait list. <laughs> oh, the wait list. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, literally like showing of interest mm. and, and getting people on the list and people are really open to that because they feel like they're getting something extra. They're getting some kind of content that might come separately to them or they might hear the first episode early or whatever it is. Yeah. Are you a fan of doing a trailer for a podcast as well? I do a tr- I do a teaser when I record them. So I don't mm. do a trailer as such. I do always promote my podcast before and I'll but it will usually just be an excerpt from the podcast. Mm. But I do start my podcast with a teaser. So once I've finished recording it, when I know kind of what the sort of exciting bits are or the meat of, of the podcast, I'll do a 20, 30 second teaser so that hopefully the person who presses play before they've heard the music, before they've heard me introduce myself will be tempted and think, so I really want to know what the subject matter is about. So I sometimes give myself, <laughs> I do it very quickly and sometimes get quite pleased with myself for my, te- for my teasers. I'm not sure everyone else agrees with them, but this week's I was very pleased with because I, I said something along the lines of, the Beatles said help and what should we say to them like no do it yourself it was better than that. Um, because my whole podcast was about reaching out for help as a business owner and I managed to tie in the Beatles so I was very very pl- proud of myself but as, I, as you can see now I'm trying to re- redo it it doesn't quite work but yeah so I don't do an actual trailer but I do start each podcast with a teaser brilliant that comes back to what you said at the beginning where you said about working in shorter bursts of time and It's something that came up with another podcast guest, a lovely lady called Gemma Bray, who's the organised mum method. And yeah, yeah, she's so lovely. And she was sort of telling me that she'll she'll sort of amongst many other things. But one of the things she says is put on the washing machine 
And then when it, you've got the washing machine cycle, I actually told someone else this and they said, yeah, but my washing machine's rubbish and the cycle's three hours. I was like, okay, so get a better washing machine. <laughs> but that idea that when you're up against it, sometimes you do produce something, you know, right, you've got 10 minutes to do that, that, that voiceover thing, or you've got, do you think there's something to be said for with self-sabotage in mind? Perhaps if you do something in a shorter burst of time, you don't have as long to think about it. So, you know, you think about sending a pitch to a new client or um, a new editor in my case, if you only give yourself an hour to work on it and send it, is setting those shorter deadlines something that can help with self-sabotage? Because you just don't, you don't have time to think about it so much. Go, yeah. go, go. Is that a good so, idea? Totally. I think, you know, when we get into stuck into overthinking and obsessive thinking, mm. we get stuck into self-sabotage cycles. Mm. So whenever you can shorten that gap between the thing that you want to do and where you are right now, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And something I always say about being courageous is you only need to be brave for a moment when mm. you make that jump because then you're doing it. And that's absolutely true with kind of everything in terms of like, you know, knocking out a blog post or doing an Instagram live or, or speaking on Clubhouse. Mm. you're only going to have to be brave for that very initial uncomfortable moment and then you're just doing it so yes totally agree with chopping that time down and from the kind of psychology mm. behind it that is called anticipation anxiety and it's really a negative force so if we think I've got this presentation it's in two weeks and I'm going to spend that next two weeks really worrying about it and not doing it I'm going to procrastinate and I'm going to do it the weekend before and I'm going to make myself feel rubbish in the interim mm. Whereas if we actually sit down, we create something, even if it's just a first draft, even if it's imperfect, and even if we go on to present the imperfect version, mm. we won't have lived in that anticipatory anxiety state for two weeks, which is really, really uncomfortable and really negative for our whole system, for our heads, for our bodies. It can give us a tummy ache, you know, like you said before about that butterfly flip yeah. feeling. We don't want to live with that for too long because it really doesn't help us. And especially right now, I, you know, you said before about the pandemic can make you hold back. But mm -hmm. I also think something a pandemic can do is it can make you jump forward. It can give you that kick up the bum to think, actually, I'm going to do this because the world has gone to, you know, every gone to pot in every other way. I could just try this and the world isn't going to end because we've seen what the world's had to deal with and it still hasn't mm. ended. Wow. Oh, I've got the tingles. <laughs> this is becoming a thing now. And anyone who's listening to the entire season of season five will know that every episode so far I've gone, oh, I've got the tingles. But yeah, the idea that, yeah, I, a couple of times in my life I've done paragliding attached to someone else, Ooh. which I'm scared of heights. I'm, I'm, it's a funny thing to think that I would have done it, but there's that moment where you have to run and you have to run to the edge of whatever you're running off to take flight. And then you trust and off you go. And the minute you take to the air, it's too late then. You're flying. So you're just like, okay, well, here I am. Yeah. But it's the run and the jump where you're thinking, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And once you jump, you're like, Way! it's like euphoric. And you've made, you've reminded me of that. I mean, I'd never do it by myself. <laughs> and I'd never do a parachute jump because that just feels weird. But yeah, the idea of running off the edge. Um, really like that idea of the jump being the scariest part because once you've jumped yeah once you've handed in your notice or you've registered your company if you want to go self-employed or you've put your podcast out there and registered it you've jumped haven't you so then you're 
you're seeing what happens when you've made the jump. That, that's a yeah. really lovely thought that you've put in my head there. That's absolutely. I totally agree with that. And also kudos to you for doing a parachute jump <laughs> because I've done two things and it was when I was a lot younger and I was in New Zealand, I did a bungee jump. Oh my goodness. And well, and I did a skydive. The skydive I absolutely adored because it's just you're out you are taken out of the equation you're attached mm. to a very experienced person who's gonna jump no matter what they exactly. are really looking forward to it <laughs> yeah um, and um so that was brilliant because you can't go through those same sort of sabotaging thoughts i can't do this i'm gonna die or whatever mm. whatever um the bungee jump was horrific <laughs> and, oh, no. but also i think i'd still be stood at the top of the cliff face or wherever it was now if it wasn't for the fact that i was attached to my husband mm. and he did the jump because i don't know if i could have done that jump you know that's a, that's not a very uh, open-minded way of thinking about it but yeah i've got kudos to you because you've done the leaping bit the physical oh. leaping off a precipice so well yes but with attached to somebody i must yeah. i must be yeah people think i'm some kind of paragliding ninja <laughs> not so much but um yeah but it sounds like you had to quite a lot of you had to do quite a lot of the impetus in getting yourself off with that with, with yeah that, i had really to good. run and i remember doing it and thinking and again this reminds me of when you start a business it feels a bit cheesy to say it but i'm sure people will relate that idea that you're like you can see your feet going and you're like oh, i'm running okay oh i'm still running you kind of your own momentum takes you a little bit and suddenly you're there and you're like right i'm doing it and anything from starting a business to a podcast to i don't know like training as a coach like you you are trained i'm training um making the decision to do it you're right is is actually the biggest leap definitely than, yeah. and I think what you said then as well is like when you look down at your feet and you saw them and you recognized I'm mm. running I'm, para I'm paragliding I'm doing it that's really important as well ongoing to recognize that so mm. as time goes on it becomes easier to say I'm a podcaster or I'm a coach or whatever but sometimes we can forget to stop and take stock of how far we've come I saw a brilliant post on LinkedIn last week from a lawyer mm. who said I've decided today to recognize that I'm a solicitor and that actually if you told me that when I was a child that was my aim that's where I wanted to get to in life and I've, re I've realized I've kind of stopped myself short today and thought I'm a solicitor mm. and I've never really sat still and thought that until yeah. this moment, even though everything I've done in my life for 20 years has been working towards it. And I messaged her and said, you need to have a monthly I'm a solicitor day. You need to put it as an, <laughs> a, as an alarm in your diary yeah. so that every month you think I'm a solicitor and I am the nuts. You know, I've done this, I've made my dream come true and I'm not going to let that slide. And I think when we celebrate those wins, you know, to your point earlier about getting through self-sabotage, getting through the pandemic stress cycle, mm. celebrating your wins is one of the quickest ways that you can really buoy up your mindset. Yeah. And it can be done at any time. You can write down a list of your achievements. You can recognize when you're doing it. Yeah, I'm a podcaster. Before you come on and do an interview, you can think, I'm great at this. I've done this. I have evidence in my evidence bank that I'm, you know, a fantastic interviewer or whatever it is. I and it really is powerful. And yet we don't do it. And if we don't do it, then our brain will find other bits and bobs to fill in those gaps. Mm. And that's when the self-doubt comes in and the self-sabotage. Yeah, I love that. Oh, Lucy, thank you so much. That's a lovely point to say to you. Brilliant. If people have enjoyed what you've been saying, Tell us all where they can find you. If somebody would like to perhaps talk to you about being a coaching client, where's, where can we find your podcast, your website? Tell everybody where they can find more of your brilliant advice and if they want to talk about self-sabotage uh, with you as a coach, where can we find you? 
Thank you, Jenny. Um, so the best place to find me and to hear more of my um, chat about self-sabotage is the podcast, mm -hmm. which, as I said, is on Apple Podcasts and all the major platforms. If you cool. find a platform that it's not on, let me know. I always say that, but I haven't heard from anyone yet. So I'm hoping it's Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Self-Sabotage to Success, or you can just put in Lucy Orton. I think either way it will come up. Cool. And I'm also very busy on LinkedIn and you're very welcome to connect with me on there or follow me on there. And I occasionally or a couple of times a week I post on Instagram and I'm at Lucy Orton coach. So those are the key places to get hold of me within my show notes on my podcast. I also have some guides you can download. So there's loads of content that you can get stuck into if you're wanting to really ditch that self-sabotage and move into that empowered CEO mindset. Lovely. Oh, Lucy, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I wish you all of the best with everything and the book in particular. Keep me posted Thank on you. how it's well, going. I've announced it now, so it's got to happen. You have, right? yeah. You're accountable. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been so lovely speaking to you. And um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.